teaching at the university level for most of my adult life. And uh, in my view, the first duty of anyone who wants to transmit anything is to be clear. Now, English is not my mother language. It's Spanish. And uh, is this possible that in the course of my small short dissertation here, uh, you might not understand some of my noises. <coughs> so please feel free to raise your hands and say repeat that because it was unintelligible. Um, the subject matter of this talk was chosen by Dr. Kekaisen. He asked me to make some comments on the, one of the late encyclicas, or one of the last encyclicas of late Pope John Paul II called Fides ad Ratio, which is translated into uh, faith and reason, and its welfare relevance for society. Well, I read it, and here are some of my impressions or conclusions. It has been said, and I think those people who say it were right, that the Catholic Church has been reluctant to accept the philosophical principles of a free market and the philosophical principles of a nation or a people under the rule of law. And I agree. But I have some good news. The opinion in among the Catholics, the Catholic hierarchy is shifting in the direction of our way of thinking. Uh, I see with surprise that more and more clergymen in the Catholic Church read Ludwig von Mises and apparently understand Ludwig von Mises. So, in that sense, then, I think a new generation of scholars, Catholic scholars, is being bred in a better understanding of the free markets and the meaning of the rule of law. The introduction of this encyclical by the Pope, John Paul II, starts with, uh, with a surprising statement. Know thyself, which, as you know, was something inscripted at the door of the temple, pagan temple in Greece, uh, to honor uh, the gods uh, in a place called Delphos. What he means with know thyself. According to this document, by knowing thyself is meant that you, I try to find out which are 
the ways that must lead us uh, into better responding the question, who am I? Who am I? Consciousness make us ask time and again, who am I in this universe? Also, according to him, know thyself means that I ask where I come from and where to am I going as a person. And another typical and recurrent question, why does evil exist? And the very last one, in order to ourselves, am I convinced that there is a possibility of life after death? These are the questions that John Paul II uh, included in the understanding of ourselves. All right, that was introduction. In chapter 1, he presents what he calls the revelation of the wisdom of God. But with a note that for me, as a philosophy professor, is very important. He stresses that the revelation of God is always present in time and history. It's not a speculation. It's not a theory. It's just a presentation, factual presentation in a time, 2,000 years ago, and in a place, in that case, uh, Jewish Palestine or Roman Palestine. Ahora, he says also, the man who responds to this revelation by faith, in every act of faith, is exercising his freedom. In other words, freedom is the consequence of an act of faith. And he will explain that a little later in a fashion that surprised me very much. But now I must say that the second chapter has the title in Latin, Credo ut intelligam, which means, I believe in order to understand, in the assumption that faith and reason could never contradict themselves or each other. But uh, most important, this, in the next chapter he says, Intelligo ut credan, which means the opposite. I understand in order to believe. Because according to him, we need to understand and to explain the longing of all mankind for God, if there is any God. Um, and he starts at this point underlining the nature of man as being a social nature, which is a famous uh, statement by Aristotle. Man is a social animal. So, so on to politicon, estin, 
a social animal. And he says, what it means to be a social animal? And he responds to himself, by being social we mean that we trust each other. If we don't trust each other, we cannot believe. Because belief is anchored in testimonies of other people whom I believe or not. I remember that uh, a few years back, Francis Fukuyama published a book by the simple title, Trust. And he tries to demonstrate to demonstrate in that book that the advanced societies are advanced precisely in the measure in which they trust each other. And the retarded or underdeveloped societies are underdeveloped because there is a high degree of suspicion among people, which is understandable. Because you cannot make a contract with anybody unless you trust the other person and the other person trusts you. Well, the Pope says, man is a social animal which can be translated into man being a trusting animal. And faith is based on trust. Here also points out that the greatest drama in the relation between religious faith, Christian particularly, and reason has been the cleavage that has been digged out between reason and revelation since the Enlightenment. He also says something about a piece of a specialization in the theological studies of the Catholic Church that perhaps is not that interesting to you. But he says that there must be in any theological approach a philosophical approach before that. Without philosophical approach, we cannot receive trust in the revelation of God. And uh, in that sense, he's making a passionate defense of philosophical thinking, of philosophical activity, of looking for the ultimate causes of everything that man's experience in this world. And he goes on through discussing details of the pre-Christian view of things, the Greeks particularly, the Christian are now what they call the post-Christian era, our era, where there has been a global apostasy of Christendom. And uh, now let me add some point of view uh, that comes from me, not from the Pope. The relation between reason, philosophy particularly, and science, and faith, uh, has been for at least 1800, 1800 years, 1800 years, what I call essentialist. In other words, 
The Greeks developed through Plato and Aristotle and others thinkers a conceptual essentialist view of things. Everything that we recognize or identify as a thing, a table, a book, blackboard, whatever, has an essence. That way of thinking was taken over by the Christians, who were actually Greeks who have turned Christians. And let me say that this way of looking at things from an essentialist point of view has dominated the Western world up to the Enlightenment, up to 200, 250, 300 years of, uh, ago. This is something that perhaps for you is not that relevant, but if you consider the situation of speculation, of, of uh, thinking in religious terms, and in accordance with the findings of science and technology, then it's better understood that that essentialist thinking was a hindrance, an obstacle, a wall, or a brick wall to a deeper understanding of modern science and modern thought. There has been a change. And the change occurred mainly in the 19th century and expanded and developed more in the 20th century up to this moment. The view that more and more theologians, at least Catholic theologians and evangelical Protestant theologians too, have of divinity and uh, of the metaphysical truth underlying the belief or the faith and the divinity, in the divinity can be characterized, characterized as existentialist. That's a very important point. We are not anymore considering things, or not so much as before, from an essentialist point of view, but from an existentialist point of view. That is decisive. If any of you is familiar with the best philosopher of science in the 20th century, Karl Raymond Popper, we'll remember that Karl Raymond Popper has insisted very much in that the essentialist way of looking at things hide from us the importance of what exists. Essences are not important. What are important are essences, essences in existence. I know that this is abstract or confusing for you, but let me just point an author uh, that might explain what I'm trying to say. Uh, the starter of the existentialist position in thinking was a Danish divine called Søren Kierkegaard in 19th century, middle 19th century. And he was looking at an essentialist view of things by a German thinker, very influential one of the 19th century, called Hegel, H-E-G-E-L. And he says, Hegel, Hegel has constructed, has built 
a beautiful intellectual building where everything is accommodated into. The God, man, the earth, the sciences, everything. But he has left man, individual man, personal man, out of that building. So he explains the essences of everything except our essence, which exists. We can think of many essences that have existed and don't exist anymore. Or many essences that might exist in the future. But what about us, individual beings, individual persons? Where is our position, our space in that huge philosophical building that Hegel constructed? Or that Hegel built? So, he says, man is different from the rest of things that exist. In what sense men are different? Men are different because whenever anything is created or present to our view, we can identify the essence of that thing as a table or an animal or a blackboard or a wall or a ceiling. But man is not born with an essence. Man exists and during his period of existence he builds up his own single essence and how does this how, how do we do that simply by exercising our freedom every choice that we make every decision that we take is building up Consciously or unconsciously, our essence. And you cannot say who was Napoleon until he died. Or who are you until you die. Or who is me until I, I am. Because as long as I can choose freely, I can convert into something good or something bad. Something bright or something dark. Something that makes history or something that passes without anybody noticing your passing. So, for the existentialist view, man is not an essence, has no essence. Man makes himself, every man, through his freedom, through his acts of choice, his own essence as being a good man or a bad man. A, a man who aggregates value or who, a man who takes away value from the world in which he lives. So that is the kern or the news, in, in, a, in a nutshell, this is existentialism. Existentialism refers only to human nature. Because only the essence of human nature consists in the results of his free choices during all his life. Well, going back to what the Pope says about Revelation and so on, he says uh, that 
every man, every single man, has a calling. And that that calling becomes concrete, recognizable, his essence, insofar as he freely decides to answer that calling. And that calling is faith. Calvin, a great theologian of the 16th century, the Protestant one, said that, said that every man and every woman has a calling in a different sense. Every man and has a, every woman has a calling from God to perfect or complete creation, the creation of God, through his work. Sweating. And so every time we build a Panama Canal, we are perfecting creation. Also, with every time we make a tunnel, a tunnel under the English Channel between England and France, we are perfecting creation. And all that is the product of work. I have five minutes. I am going to resume what is left. Therefore, philosophy Christian philosophy sees faith, sees revelation from an existentialist point of view. The God I believe in is the God that makes me through my choices, my freedom, which brings closer to Ludwig von Mises the understanding of the church about earthly realities like the market or social issues, progress or equality or whatever. In that sense, existentialists, and I'm going to finish with this, Existentialists do not attach too much importance to the categories of philosophers, be they Greeks or Germans today or French. They attach a lot of importance to history. There is a biblical history. There is a New Testament history. But it's always history. Something that happened in a place and a time. Something that determines our choices. And determining our choices determines who we are. And where we are leading to. So the understanding of man, know thyself, as the Pope starts saying, is based ultimately in our choices, in our freedom. And by bringing freedom to such a high point, the Pope is concurring with us, is uh, agreeing with us, that without freedom there can be no understanding, there can be no intelligence, there can be no human dignity. There can be no human progress. And for that reason, I think, 
I think I perceive a shift of opinion in the Roman Catholic Church away from the world of essences of the Greeks towards the world of accomplishments, free choice, work hard, ethical lives of each one single man and single woman. And if that is the case, then at least for me, I am Catholic, at least for me as a philosopher or philosophy professor, I am at peace that I can agree wholeheartedly percent, 100% with Ludwig von Mises and with the Pope at the same time. Thank you. (laughs) 